Five-show final, JCM Jones from Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick from Night to Behind the Game and Dirty South Soccer all the time is over there. Joe Patrick, I'm still making dead gum spaceship noises every time I watch the highlights from Saturday. Every single one spaceship noise worthy. Even some of the ones that didn't go in, you like, I don't know, you see Ezekiel Barco step up to, to take a free kick and just... <laughs> stuff like that, you know? It's, I can't help it. It's all, it's all that good and... God damn it if Atlanta and I today and on a rocket ship to the dead gum moon right now. It's crazy. It's crazy how much the texts I receive now during games have changed from <laughs> like two months ago. It was like, this sucks. I had stopped getting text during the <laughs> right, game. Well, yeah, like, no one cared. For sure. And now it's like, man, this is fun. Like, and all it's just totally changed 100%. And I think the one message that I got during the game that really, I think, resonated with me the most, at least, which was that it's fun because something good can happen at any given time now in a game, which used mm-hmm. to be the case and it hasn't been the case now for a couple of years but that's what really engrosses you in a game right when you just like mm-hmm. can't take your eyes off it because you're just expecting or possibly something could happen uh, it's just great to watch in a wholly pessimistic sport like soccer where where failure is so prevalent the fact that there is the threat of optimism at any point with this team is is what keeps you going with it and it's a blast it really is it really, really is. Who, who, who's that Grant Wall, uh, the Grantland writer? Um, uh, he's done a lot of other stuff as well. He's a prolific writer, but uh, he Phillips? did the yeah, yeah, Brian Phillips, yeah, yeah, the did soccer the, the is crushing boredom. Yeah, yes, it defines everything I've ever written ever, along not, with the other Grantland articles that have defined everything <laughs> I've ever written ever. Yeah, that's right, especially and the cricket ones. Now we're reaping the rewards from having gone through that dreary boredom, and now mm. it's like you you appreciate that these moments of you know, amazement where Luisa Roju does something insane with the ball um, or Zekio Barco with the goal kit or the free kick like he had. Yeah, it's just great. We'll throw both those articles uh, in the discord, which yes. we have, by the way, because we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final Kirk Castles in there. Kirk Castle did the entry music for our show. The song is Chances. Catch him out on Spotify as well. But check out the Discord, uh, patreon.com slash five strike final. You can join us. You can get a whole bunch of extra audio as well, including our latest interview with Greg Garza and Michael Parkers talking about their new project. That was a blast. And just a uh, shout out to all of our new subscribers. We've had several come in in the last you know week or two, especially. Of course, we love all of our old subscribers as well, but always great to see new people coming in. Um, yeah. And if you do come join the join the Patreon, uh, you get access to the whole backlog. So uh, definitely worth mm-hmm. it. I think yeah, worth the uh, price or the worth the price of a cup of uh, a mocha latte grande mm-hmm. triple shot espresso. And none of the medical bills afterwards. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, We also got an interview up there with Seattle Football, um, who we just talked about uh, numbers and whatnot. That was fun conversation. Always love getting him on and trying to not call him by his real name. It's always a blast (laughs) to not dox him on our our show. Um, Lots of good stuff there. Go ahead and check it out. And, of course, lots of good stuff coming your way right now in business time. It's business. It's business. Trying to say it's time for business, it's business.
Patrick. And we'll start with something you got to go to a second ago, a, a very, very short press conference. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. So uh, FIFA, CONCACAF representatives met with Atlanta business people, Darren Eels uh, and some other soccer people. When was that last Friday uh, to kind of tour the city? Exciting. It was not a super exciting press conference, I would say. A lot of boilerplate stuff, a lot of stuff they probably say in every single city that they go to about how they're excited and everything. But I think it was just awesome to see FIFA representatives, delegates, you know, it's just me. It's it seemed it felt exciting to be there. Um, and the media presence there was fun. I'll be putting together a, a episode just kind of covering what happened there and has quotes with Darren Eels or has sound from him um, and Steve Cannon from uh, the blank group, who's kind of like the CEO, I think, mm-hmm. of uh, Arthur Blank Group. Um, so I have some stuff from them to share with patrons uh, if you're $10 subscriber. So it was a fun time, man. I love the thought of the FIFA officials doing the very same thing that like comedians and bands that have been touring for years do where they're just like, wow, this is I'm so happy to be here in the greatest city in the whole (laughs) world. And they don't know where they are because they've been traveling the entire time. I I feel like it was kind of like that Uh, odds on if they rode the streetcar in downtown. Because that was a key piece of the video that highlighted <laughs> yeah. Atlanta's transportation when they were pitching the the entire continent mm-hmm. as a place for this World Cup, the, the Atlanta streetcar. Yeah, definitely zero percent. They were okay. uh, th- they kind of had to shut down the thing early. It was a pretty short press conference overall because they were like, Colin needs to get to lunch. Colin being the FIFA representative. <laughs> so of course he does. It was that kind of it was that kind of. Uh, that kind of mm-hmm. tour. I think they just spent the whole day kind of traveling around Atlanta because they wanted to see sites. They wanted to see facilities. So I think they went to Pace Academy was one of the places um, where they would do like set up a team for training facilities. Obviously, Atlanta United, their training facilities. Um, just looking at some different different sites so, uh, where mm-hmm. they could set things up. But uh, pretty I, I think Kennesaw was in that group as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth Third Bank Stadium, Kennesaw. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's fun, though, to like just think about what the World Cup would be like. It was, that's I think what was most fun about the day was just kind of imagining what it would be like to have a big world cup game here in Atlanta. And it's especially struck home with me when they were talking about how having different like fan fest sites, like all over the state, mm-hmm. having them in like Savannah and Albany or where, you know, wherever they would want to set those things up. Albany. I don't know why they would want to do it there, but uh, <laughs> Albany's a place. I've been to Albany. It is. It's fine. It is. I just don't it's know there. how big the soccer following is there. Maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it's huge. Maybe may huge by 2026. It's always, it always surprises I mean, me. I heard uh, Ted Lasso is, is saving soccer in America. That's right. Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about but that tweet. Um, breaking news. My dad just sent me a text that says, Joe, this weather sucks. Thank you. Thanks, Thank dad. you, Mr. Patrick. Thanks, we dad. appreciate that. Yeah, no, he's right. <laughs> he's not wrong. What doesn't suck, though, is the fact that 100 Atlanta United supporters are invited to watch training tomorrow. Very cool thing going down uh, over at the Franklin Gateway Road training complex, the Choa complex, as, as they call it, uh, Children's South Carolina. Training grounds, uh, a cool thing. I think this is a Sounders thing first. I think Gonzalo is taking it over, uh, but is a a very cool thing for him to be like, we want the supporters especially to be a part of this team and to be able to experience something with this team and to connect with this team and be close to this team. I mean, you can even look at them uh, going up on the, the capo stand after the game on, on Saturday. And I, I think awesome. that was for... Um, kick childhood cancer stuff kind of initially, but it kind of turned into a party, you know, and that was awesome. That was really, really cool to see. Uh, All of it was. And this is just another piece of the puzzle that shows us that Gonzalo clearly understands the mutually beneficial relationship that a club should have with its fans. If it's going to be 
successful. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is coming together for this team right now in the front office from the, in the, in the coaching department with the, the twos, the homegrowns, the playing staff itself for Atlanta United. And then of course, and most importantly, the fans, it's really nice to see kind of all these stakeholders come together. That's a really crappy term that I don't like to use, but um, it's, it's fun. It's, it's just, I think that what we're seeing right now is just kind of the amalgamation of all of that coming together. And uh, it's beautiful to see. And I just couldn't, I just loved, I didn't even see the video until after the press conference, there was some chatter about it during the press conference, but I hadn't seen it yet. Um, just seeing the players celebrate up there and doing the ATL chant and stuff. Like even a guy like Ezekiel Barco who's like a big star and has kind of been for a lot of his career, I think just like a little bit um, like aloof from the, the, the fans just kind of like, you know, doing his own thing. Um, great to see him kind of be part of all that big celebration because he's going to be obviously a huge part of whatever this team uh, can, whatever success this team has this year. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the things that led to that big celebration right now in sports prime game time. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe Patrick, Atlanta United wins 3-2 versus DC United. Uh, each goal, phenomenal on this one. It was a really, really yeah. fun game between two teams who I think are going to be in the playoffs. I know one of them is going to be. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I, I think both will probably end up in the playoffs. And it's a really, really good win for Atlanta. At the beginning of a, a, what is a four-game stretch here against teams that they are competing with for the last few spots in the Eastern Conference, and maybe even a little more here as we start to kind of look at the standings, it's it's very interesting to see that the gravity of MLS is is very much pulling towards the center right now with just about every single team that's not New England. Heck, even Seattle is not playing great soccer mm. right now. It's kind of crazy to see, but you look up. And all of a sudden, there's there's Atlanta United in sixth place right now, but 36 points. And there's New York City in third place on 38 points. It's right there. Uh, Nashville in second place, five points ahead. They have a game in hand on us. That's not unreasonable, though. They got a whole lot of road games to go on, and they just haven't been that good mm-hmm. on the road. Every single team, but New England is catchable for a team that did not win a soccer game for three whole goddamn months. <laughs> It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And maybe even more in the playoffs. I think we can talk a bit more about that in a little bit. But Joe, I wanted to get your thoughts initially on a big win against DC. Well, I mean, the way the MLS standings are shaping up is just fun as hell. You've got what? Four points. uh, Yeah. Four points separating third from eighth. So eighth would put you obviously out of a playoff spot. Um, And uh, (laughs) speaking of fun, Orlando is on the brink of like oh, one of man. the most disastrous falls from graces we've seen in this league in several years. I want to share this because I, I know that a lot of people listening to the show will get a, a heavy dose of schadenfreude right into their, into their veins <laughs> from this. But let me tell you Orlando's schedule over the back nine here, the final nine games. They get Nashville twice. They get Montreal twice. They get D.C. Wow. United they get Columbus and Cincinnati, and then somewhere in the middle of there, they get New England. 
twice. Wow. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I Wow. I didn't realize it was that bad. Holy they might shit. Not, they really might not do it. I mean, when right? I look at the teams around them, it's like I, I take Philadelphia over them right now. I take DC United mm-hmm. over them right mm-hmm. now, just in terms mm-hmm. of current form. So, man. So it, and it's very funny to think about, too. They've lost their last three games and given up 10 goals in those games. Atlanta <laughs> United has won their last three games. How many goals have they scored? 10. Ten. I continue to believe that the fates of these two teams are inversely related <laughs> and one cannot survive while the other does. And if the projection is that Atlanta United makes the playoffs, then, then Orlando might be in a lot of trouble here. Yeah. They're not playing well. They're broken. I don't know why. I, don't, I can't explain it. It's the same group. They're healthy. But I mean, that's a team that's that's probably going to drop some points here. And Lady United very, very well set to finish ahead of them. It's all making making up for uh, what should be an amazing kind of run into the end of the season, because I think Atlanta United, you know, it's all all arrows clearly pointing up, crossing our fingers that there aren't going to be any bigger injuries. I know there's been kind of a scare with Joseph Martinez after uh, Saturday's game, but, you know, Mm -hmm. everything's looking great. Um, I think one of my favorite. My favorite things from the from the postgame press conference was when uh, uh, Doug, I think, was asking Gonzalo Pineda about um, Barco's free kick that he smashed in the t- on the, the postage stamp from 25 yards or whatever. And, uh, and Pineda was like, yeah, we practiced that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he laughed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, uh, man, such refreshing to have someone like him um, in the press conferences. And we were chatting about it with Felipe. Um he speaks so clearly about the game. It's mm-hmm. just a joy to listen to him talk. Frankly, um, he can speak more clearly about it than I feel like I can about what happens on the field. Um, so for all the obvious reasons why that might be a challenge for him and just with English being a second language and everything, it's uh, awesome mm-hmm. and just a perfect fit, obviously, for this team. Can we make our first college football reference of the day? Yeah. All right. Uh, so do you remember they used to do this? I don't know if they still do this or not, but they during like the national championship or like the college football semifinals, they would have like the coaches room, you know, oh, where yeah, the coaches yeah. would sit around they, like, and analyze everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you would realize listening to that very, very quickly that, you know, nothing about the sport, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah, everything yeah, yeah. they're seeing is on all, they're like, it's like Neo reading the matrix, right? They're seeing zeros and ones where you're not seeing anything. <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like listening to Gonzalo talk about it. And I'm sure other coaches are, are somewhat the same way. They're just maybe not as eager or understanding to share with it. And they don't maybe understand that, you know, those are the kind of things that can help build connections with the team. And, mm-hmm. and again, that is a mutually beneficial relationship with, when the fans and the media can help the fans understand what is going on with this game was going on with this team. And it's, it's makes it so much fun. hundred really percent. And, and he doesn't speak in a way that's very, uh, like like using like a certain lingo that a common fan might not understand. He actually explains it very, very well. I remember there, I had a very similar experience. There was a Kobe Bryant uh, ESPN feature where they would talk about like him breaking down games and things. Or it was like kind of a documentary style. And I had no idea there was so much that went into playing defense in the NBA. <laughs> there was like all kinds of these different schemes and pickups and everything. I never mm-hmm. thought they were just going out there and kind of you know, just guarding a dude. But uh, yeah, no, right. it's uh, it's it's incredible. Um, just kind of the way that Pineda has fit fit in overall. Um, some people were asking about this in, in the in the questions, but, you know, I thought we should probably talk about a little bit. The substitution that he made at the I think it was the 58th minute or 57th minute to bring on Luis Araujo. And surprisingly, he withdrew George Campbell uh, center back. And I think mm-hmm. that was the first time he's gone away mm-hmm. from the back three. No, actually, I think he made a sub also in the Nashville game that went to change it from a back three to a back four. Um, 
But still, I think it was like a, a good look at what something might look like with a back four. And um, interestingly, I thought Pineda was quite open in that he seems to be changing his mind from something he said. I think his first uh, press conference, not his introductory press conference, but the first one he did at the training ground where um, he said he wanted the team to have consistency down the stretch run with, you know, using the same lineup and getting regular starters, um, you know, some continuity with each other. Um, I'm just going to read off this quote that he said in the post-match press conference. He, uh, cause I had asked him about what it, he thinks his, his best shape is or what his best 11 is. Uh, and he says, I cannot tell you now. I told everyone at the very beginning that I wanted to be more consistent in the lineups and formations to give them more stability. So I have to reflect on that because we are rotating a little bit here and there, but it's working and we have to manage the fitness levels for everyone to keep the intensity on the field. And so he touches on a couple of things there um, that were relevant to this game as well. One is the, you know, resting guys to have them fresh for the playoffs. I thought it was really, really encouraging the way that the team played without a guy like Miles Robinson, who's been a rock mm-hmm. for this team. Absolutely. And you can do that when your center backs are as good as they are. And it's amazing. We kind of have that depth at a position that is not a spot that a lot of teams are very solid at in MLS. But Atlanta maybe is as good as anybody at that spot, you know. And like you said, it is encouraging. It is encouraging. And it worked so well within the context of the game to to, to take Campbell out and bring Yaduju on and just watch him work because he had moments in this game and, and one moment in particular, uh, Joe Lowry tweeted this moment out, go dig through his timeline real quick, just to watch it again. It, he takes the ball from probably like 20 yards from the midfield line in his own half and just takes off running and just skies past multiple people and then gets to the, the 18 yard box and murks a dude gets around him and the shot does go wide. But everything before that was as world class as I've ever seen. <laughs> we, and, we were like holding each other in the press box. We're like, oh, my God, what's no going? one could breathe. <laughs> yes, because we, yeah, obviously we like, can't cheer except for Doug Roberson, who was going. <laughs> what, did, what did he say? He said, do it again. Do it again. Over and over again. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, like that goofy meme. And then um, I was looking around wide eyed to see if anyone else had seen it. And I saw Felipe and, and caught eyes with him. And he was wide eyed and he like had a mask on, you know, yeah, yeah. and just like slowly pulled it down to reveal the rest of his face being equally astonished. Um, it was a moment, man. And I think we can talk about this a little more, but he is special just special he really is well i mean the right when he came on he just beat two dudes like he made them look so silly uh the way like two guys came right at him straight ahead and i can't tell if he megged one of them or if he just kind of knocked the ball past him and then skirted around him but he's very good at that move at kind of knocking the ball past a player and then getting around him he did the same thing for that goal that he scored against uh the cincinnati in that game yeah so um I mean, I don't know what else to say about him other than that. I think everybody obviously sees the quality on the field um, and it speaks for itself. But I I just kind of want to keep on reiterating how good of a fit he is with this team and his kind of sunny, bright disposition that he has uh, is just exactly what this team needed at this point. And I think that. You know, I think we talked about this in previous shows, but for anybody who hasn't listened, like, you know, when you see the pictures of him at the barbecue with the team or like certain guys in the team and um, they're talking about it in press conferences, I I really put a lot of stock in that. I put a lot of value in that um, because I think that it doesn't matter. You know, a player can have all the quality in the world, but if they don't have the kind of mindset that it takes to really compete in MLS, then you don't really see the best of that quality. You know, he instantly figured it out and he's still kind of putting it together, right? Like we, we haven't seen him put everything out there 
right? And it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be crazy when it does happen. I want to go ahead. I want to hear ahead. from Matt Doyle, like where what he thinks about like where he stands among the best players in the league. We'll get Matt on. We'll get Matt on. How about we get Matt on sometime right before the playoffs to okay. kind of preview what's going to go on there? I think yeah, that's a good move. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as like where he ranks in the league right now, I'm trying to to think of guys that I have instantly seen and been like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this year, I think Jefferson Soteldo was one of those guys that kind of looked like that, but he's just surrounded by a bunch of garbage right mm-hmm. now. And it, it, it's hard to really gauge exactly where he is. Uh, Edo Uju is, is not surrounded by, by garbage. Um, and frankly, I think I haven't seen a player that's just so noticeably better since Vela was healthy. Yeah. And Zlatan was in the league. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's kind of that difference where you instantly notice it. Um, can he have that little of impact? I think so. I think so. Will we see that this year? Maybe not, but next year sets up so, so well for him. Yeah. And I thought, again, I, the, to go back to Pineda, I thought it was very smart to give him a rest. I was disappointed when I first saw the lineup because I always just want to see him play, obviously, because he's so skilled and fun to watch. But I think it actually makes a lot of sense because when you think about Araujo, he's still working up his fitness you know he was had an off season essentially before Atlanta United signed him he had had done some of his preseason work with Lille um and, and was building up some match fitness there but I think it's smart to to not push him too hard considering he had already played two matches in the previous you know week so I thought it was uh, good to, to rest him like that but also it just clearly shows that when you do that he can still come on and be a total game changer and it, we when I look at this game I almost don't even think about him coming off the bench because of how impactful he was and how good the team was in the 30 mm-hmm. minutes that he was on the field exactly exactly I loved, uh, I loved Anton walks he was like I just sit back and watch the show <laughs> <laughs> that's all he can do right that's all he can do um there was one little bit of maybe possibly negative news to come out of this Joseph Martinez was I saw him limping towards the end of the game um he did get his 99th goal with Atlanta United and I think that's all competitions uh which is just insane to think about that and it was a a winger from what was it Torino who we just didn't yep. really think a whole lot of coming in and mm-hmm. on loan came in on loan on loan. That's right. That's right. Uh, 99 goals now, but he was struggling a bit after the game. Uh, Gonzalo dismissed that a little bit. He said, I think he's just sore. He also called him a warrior uh, and understood that he was, he was bad on there a lot. And again, Joseph was a guy who nearly quit soccer. I think we need to keep restating that. He was mm-hmm. a guy who nearly quit the sport this offseason because of how bad the complications from his knee surgery got. Uh, he's continuing to fight. He's continuing to, to push forward. And now he's helping this team get back to, to a place uh, that he brought it to in the first place. You know, and it's, it's really good to see. I think he's going to be OK. We'll find out more tomorrow at training. Yeah, and it's nice that they have a full week now. I think if they're they had a midweek game, you probably would not see him start. But uh, hopefully that he can get all the rest and treatment that he needs. And even if he doesn't start against Philadelphia, I have confidence in this team. I got to be honest, Mm -hmm. because we've seen them perform in a couple games before he came back um, from his international duty where the team looked pretty good playing with uh, the the dual false nines. Although that's not how I would phrase it. But yeah, you know, I, I think that this team can get by if he can only play 30 minutes or so for this game. Obviously, they're going to need him to be uh, you know fully fit and at his best come playoff time if they want to be mls cup champions but um yeah it's just it's very good to see him kind of continuing to improve since the beginning of the Mm -hmm. season i think we've seen a pretty steady improvement in terms of his fitness and his performance over the course of the season so that's always good to see 
And if he does need some rest, obviously we know that Gonzalo was willing to do that. We asked him about the decision to rest Miles Robinson in the press conference, and woo boy, did he have receipts. He immediately <laughs> yeah. started listing a whole bunch of statistics about how many games Miles had played in so many days, how like many miles he had traveled in so many days. It was pretty remarkable to see a coach come out and be like, I knew you were going to ask this. Here are mm-hmm. all the numbers. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, and, and again, a, a big win for for coaches believing in science. So (laughs) it's, uh, again, the changes continue to be phenomenal. And even though he was like, he he said something about like really appreciating his sports science team and all the work they do. So yeah, he's always, he'll never take the credit himself. He'll always dish it off to his assistants, whether, you know, we've seen that with some of the set piece goals that they've scored, or in this case, the, the sports science team. So, uh, that's always also good to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else we want to add before we head to a quick break? Uh, no, I think we can get to the questions after. All right. Yeah. After an experiential battery. Before we get back into the show, did just want to remind everybody that this episode of Five Strike Finals brought to you by Lucid FC. That is Lucid Footwear and Clothing. You can visit them online at lucidfc.us. And I highly recommend you go to their website to actually view the clothing because there's no way I can accurately describe to you within this short time frame the kinds of clothing that they have to offer. It's very unique. That's the only thing I'll say. But beyond that, you're going to have to go check it out for yourself. But I highly recommend that you do because you will not see anything like it anywhere. They've got everything to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Literally, they've got all kinds of different clothing, including masks and anything else you would need for uh, the pandemic, of course. Definitely recommend you checking them out. They are local, too. A couple twins are the founders here from Atlanta. Uh, you can visit them at their shop at in Atlanta at 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest. It's behind the Whole Foods and Buckhead. Really good guys. I met them before and really cool company that they've got going so definitely recommend everybody check it out lucid fc that's lucid footwear and clothing and you can visit them online at lucidfc.us use dss at checkout for free shipping wow what a break what an incredible break best break of all time if you hear something in the background the, the fine dog is in the room she has a bone it's very very loud ignore her Let's talk about formation changes. This first question comes from T-Roll in the Discord. It says, we have talked before about going to a back four. In this last match, we got to see that for about 30 minutes with Franco and Walks as the two center backs. How did y'all like the way that looked? Probably not a big enough sample size, but what were your initial thoughts on how we looked there? Before we address that, I kind of want to state a couple facts. Uh, Luis Araujo comes in. At the 57th minute for George Campbell to switch the back four happens. Joseph Martinez scores seven minutes later in the 64th minute. And then, of course, uh, the next goal comes in the 87th. So there you go. There you go. That's encouraging, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that the goal you really saw, um, I think the... (laughs) It wasn't directly because of the the formation change, but I think you immediately saw the added pressure that Atlanta and I was able to put forward with more men forward. Um, And obviously it's kind of hard to tell how much the tactics actually affect it because the introduction of the quality in Araujo is so good that um, that just makes a big difference in and of itself. But I thought it was kind of mixed. I thought it was good in that respect and that it helped Atlanta get that goal. But I also felt like the goal that Felipe scored, uh, I thought the team was just sitting back a little bit and was like a little bit tentative to, to pressure in some certain situations, probably because they just weren't certain as to like their marking responsibilities. And Gonzalo Pineda said they were one-on-one at the back. So that was just kind of a risk he was willing to take. Yeah. I forgot to add a couple things to those facts. I should add 
added a couple more. Felipe <laughs> scores in the 75th. Edison Flores scores uh, 90 plus four. So uh, two goals for two goals against in the back four. I don't like like you said, Joe, I don't think that has a ton to do with necessarily the tactics too much. Just kind of the way the game state was and the fact that D.C. scored two bangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a ton you can do there. Yeah, not a ton you can do there. Yeah, both the goals they scored were absolutely ridiculous. Probably the two best goals of the game. Just those strikes were unbelievable. Um, uh, in the end, though, I mean, holy shit, I didn't even look at this. Um, Atlanta United ended up with 3.4 XG. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, to 1.5 for DC United. Holy crap. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm looking I, at it now, man, too. I, I didn't even realize that. Um, I mean, and that's the kind of Lord. domination, obviously, you want to see with Atlanta having 62% of the possession throughout the game, but then also creating all the chances. That's exactly what you want, like that kind of possession with a purpose, and you're using it to fashion chances for yourself. Um, so mm-hmm. that's fun. Uh, back to the question. You know, I, that's the reason why I asked Pineda the question about because I didn't know whether it was maybe it was like something that he wanted to see. Uh, you know, d- does he make the sub specifically because he wants to see how the team looks in a back four? Turned out in some other questions that were asked, that wasn't necessarily the case. He said that George Campbell looked tired to him. And so that's mm-hmm. why he wanted to get him out there. And obviously you don't have like another quality, top quality center back to replace him like you might if Miles Robinson was available. So um, that was one of the reasons. I would not be surprised to see the team play in a back four again at some point this season. Pineda's yet to start the team in a back four in the three games or four games that he's had um, since taking over. He's starting in a back three each time. And I do think that the team looks most comfortable in that back three, but I'm still back four curious, but I feel like, I don't know. I just keep on going back and forth between whether I think what, what I think is the best. I think last time I probably said back four. And then after this game, I'm probably saying back three again. So who knows? Maybe yeah. I'll think something else next week. What do you, what, what do you add, think? Let's add in one more kind of data set here. Yeah. Um, and just go look at that XG because I'm looking at the, the the flow right now of the game. And it looks like Atlanta before Eruju came on was at about like 1.25, 1.3 XG. Uh, and, and from there, obviously, they got to the 3.4. Uh, so, again, D.C. had 1.5 the entire game. After Eruju came on, Atlanta United had 2.1. So in like 33 minutes there, Atlanta United uh, beat D.C. for the entire game on mm. XG. So that, that's one more kind of thing to think about. But again, I, I don't know quite how to assess it with, with him coming in against uh, a D.C. team that was going to be pretty tired at that point, especially because they like to depress as so much as they do. Um I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the way forward, but my gut still says back four. That's my thought. Yeah. Just um, make a timestamp here. Your mic just went kind of like uh, kind of cutting it. That's because the dog was hitting it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. As as long as you're good on your end. Yeah, no, we're good. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I said 35. Okay. Um, Hopefully y'all heard me on that. The dog was hitting the microphone. Let's move this next question from Chris Rattan on Twitter. He says, can we change our minds and keep Barco? Uh, I don't <laughs> think we can, but it is. It's something, man. And again, it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of what happened to him when he came back uh, from the Olympics. Besides, you know, getting that little bit more freedom, being played forward a little more. Other than that, though, man, it's it's insane. I don't know how he's turned into a different person. I have a, a story up on on the mothership about that. If you want to go check that out as well, but 
as far as keeping them, I don't know. I think I think this is it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Get it out of your mind. I know it, it, it says what what this question really speaks volumes is um, that the sentiment will come up yeah. at all, <laughs> you know, because the, this whole time before now, uh, before he's come back from the Olympics, it's the whole conversation around Ezekiel Barco has been, can we get our money back or how much can we get back for him? Uh, and now as people would like to keep him, which of course it means that he's playing really well. And you would hope that that sentiment means that there's also some desire from the broader market that they would want to add him. So um, I don't know if the price is still going to get back to what Atlanta United paid for him just because of the market conditions that have been created by COVID. And we've talked about this in our last show as well, but um, I think it just speaks volumes to the way he's playing and the, the vibes that he's engendering from um, this question being asked. Ezekiel Barco and stay with me is a beanie baby because people bought beanie babies for like a shit ton of money because they're like, Oh, this will appreciate in value. This will be worth a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, and Atlanta yeah, United yeah. Yeah. bought Ezekiel Barco thinking that same thing. And then it turned out that it, it didn't really mean a whole lot because it was just like all the other ones. <laughs> right. And so everyone was like, Oh God, I got to get my money back on this damn beanie baby. And finally realized that wasn't going to happen. Got real mad and broke it, like snapped it in half and then found like <laughs> a thousand dollar bill inside. Right. Like that is, that yeah. is what's happened. <laughs> the declaration of independence. <laughs> yes, <was> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's, that's what's happened with Zeke. And it's, it's hilarious. Um, because it, again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we love to see it, even if it's not going to be around for a while longer. Um, The larger question at the end of this is going to be whether or not he was a bust, whether or not it was all worth it, Mm. because I don't think he's recouped Mm -hmm. that value yet. And, you know, eventually we'll see his transfer fee and everything like that. And it may be a net win. But playing wise, I don't think he's recouped the value of what he was paid to come here. Right. Not yet. Not yet. But if he continues on you know, a pace where he is averaging a goal contribution per game, at least right now, I think, you know, what is it? It's like, he's got like seven and four over his last few games, six and four, six and five, I think. Um, since coming back from the Olympics, that's an absurd number an absurd pace. So if he keeps that up, you know, by the end of the year, and he may be in the conversation for, you know, some of the, the highest goal contributors in the entire league. And maybe that leads Atlanta to to another trophy. Then then I think we're, we're all the way there and maybe past that. But right now, no. It's crazy. It's crazy. If, if Atlanta United wins MLS Cup, first of all, if that happens, it will be because Ezekiel Barco was fantastic as he has been these last several games. Um, and if that happens, he will be, have been worth every single penny because that's ultimately what you want players to do. You want them to come in and help you succeed, win championships, win, win trophies. Um, it's all, it would also be amazing that he would have one. He would be like a two time MLS cup. Winner, <laughs> um, despite kind of having had this tag of being an underperformer hung around his neck for most of his MLS career. Of course, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. That's all very hypothetical, but, um, Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of his legacy is going to hinge on how Atlanta United finishes out the season. Just to clarify, six goals, five assists over uh, the nine games he's been back. 
I think Doug said 11. He's contrib- That's 11 goals, t- contributions of their last 16 oh, scored, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that was the stat. And that's it so, as well. That's pretty, that's pretty damn impressive. Impressive. And if someone wants to explain it, let me know. Let me know. Uh, Tony asked this. Uh, Tito versus Araujo. Uh, we'll go We'll go step by step here. Better looking, Joe. I think I, I'll... I think it's Araujo. Better oh, looking? Wow. I'm I going think it's your personal preference thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like, what What do you uh, value? The teeth oh, that's or the, the thing. hair? We can the... very clearly agree better hair, which is the next question Tony asked. It has to go to Tito. That, I mean, he's he's the leader all time. Yes. Yeah. In expected follicles per capita <laughs> for Atlanta United. <laughs> follicle, um, better yeah. thighs also, Tito. Gotta yeah. be honest. It's a tough one though because Araujo really like flaunts it. You know he does like the 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 the, the yeah yeah he does he, he rolls him up yeah. during the game too, not just during training. Normally that used to just be a training thing we would see them do, yeah. but he's, he's but during the game. He's up. Maybe Araujo yeah. could catch up if he gets like a, a large lion tattoo. <laughs> better dribbler uh, right now. Yeah, it's yeah, Araujo. It's not even close to me. Yeah. A better shot taker. Um, for now, it's Tito. I don't have enough of a sample size on Luis yet. Right. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Although I think Araujo is going to overtake him in that department as well. And same for this better winger. It's going to be Araujo. Araujo. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and who would you rather have? Araujo. So there we go. There we go. We'll, we'll talk more about the better looking one as we go. We go along here, but we'll figure that out eventually figure it out eventually philip jeff code on twitter asks does it appear that bellow has been trying to force it too much around the goal the past several games several bad takes around the goal no i think i think that's just george getting in really good positions and being put in those opportunities and not necessarily being a striker right because he's finding so much space Yeah, I know a lot of people were upset with the the one that he had, which was that breakaway where he was in one-on-one and he could have touched it across to joseph um and I actually watched that play back earlier this morning and yes, he could have, and it probably would be the smarter pass. And it, um, if he's fully confident in making that pass and he probably makes it, but I think it was tighter than a lot of people would think it's one that can easily go awry. If you're playing FIFA, you make that pass every single time because like it, the game won't let you mess it up. Um, but it wasn't the easiest pass. And so I don't mind him just taking that shot. Um, I just don't mind him yeah. shooting in general if he gets into those positions. You know, it, it's a lot of it's luck based, honestly. Um, it's kind of like hitting a baseball. You know, it's you you fire it in there and you hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And he scored a few of them. He scored one, obviously, later on. Not necessarily same exact circumstances, but he's had. I feel like he has one of those chances every single game where he gets in behind on kind of on that left side and can fire in. Yeah. And so and the more he starts picking them out, too, the more chances he's going to have and the more comfortable he's going to be in those situations, <laughs> I think. Michael Biederman, no, excuse me, Michael Holcomb on Twitter asked, how abnormal is it that the players all on the capo stand after the game to lead chance? I can't remember saying that before hearing about it. Uh, again, I think that was initially for uh, a kick childhood cancer month thing. I, I don't know quite what it was. I didn't really have it explained mm-hmm. to me. Uh, but the fact that everyone went up there and joined in and it turned into what it did, I think was really fun and encouraging. And again, it hadn't happened ever before. I don't, think. I don't, I don't even think they went on the capo stand for MLS Cup. Yeah, no, I don't think they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, pretty, pretty <laughs> abnormal, I think, for something like that to happen. But again, it was it was like partially scripted, yeah. I guess you would say. Like they were going up there because they wanted to do some childhood cancer thing. But uh, I think it turned into something that was maybe a little bit more interesting and cool. 
this it's like a Scorsese movie, right? Like you kind of outline some of the scenes, but if someone wants to like go somewhere Improv. with it, maybe sometimes you get the Joe Pesci scene from Goodfellas yeah. where he says, how am I? That's funny? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know? exactly. So, uh, let's see. Michael Biederman asks on Twitter, uh, recent results seem to have quieted the Boca out campaign. Has it? And should it? Uh, I think it has Definitely. to a pretty decent extent. Should it? Um, Maybe I, I think I think we're still in the same place we were maybe a month ago where that position needs to be somewhat reworked and the responsibilities changed up. I don't I don't think that's changed necessarily, but I, I think that's already happened, you know, with um, Demetrius Sestafthiu coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's the balance of power that's kind of shifted and, and changed. Um, so I don't think it's Boca out at this point. I think it's maybe Boca shifted and altered a little bit to something that's hopefully <laughs> more beneficial for for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll repeat what I've said on this podcast, which is that he certainly, you know, Boca Negra has his his competencies. Like he, he knows what he's doing um, in in certain aspects and maybe he could use some more help in some other aspects because he is still relatively, relatively new to this role. You know, this is kind of, you know, he first started doing this in 2017 when the team started up. So there are a lot of new experiences for him on this front. And, and, um, and again, they're they're all learning. But you have to, they're learning. Like it's yeah. clear they're learning. Yeah. You know, and they yeah. learned from the last mistake and understood how to fix it and brought in Gonzalo. And that seems to be mm-hmm. the right move. And now hopefully they understand that, you know, trading away players who already have value for for guys that may have value is a mistake in this league, especially when you can when you can afford them, you know, and, and hopefully the roster building mm-hmm. um there continues to be an understanding there that that they can do this in a way that that makes a little more sense, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give uh, b- both Boca Negra and Darren Eels uh, a lot of credit for one thing in sp- particular, which they've had to do- execute twice, which was to fire a manager. Um, they did the right thing with Frank DeBoer. They had to make the move at the time they did, and they had to make the move with Gabriel Heinze. Um, it's hard to do that because it can be, it's, you know, embarrassing. It's kind of an admission of failure to an extent. Um, but they did the right thing in both those circumstances. And there were some people that didn't necessarily want those coaches to be fired because you can, uh, if you, if you do that too much, then you can start to, you know, make yourself a reputation as a club that will just ditch somebody at the, you know, first sign of trouble and all that. And then you make yourself less appealing for a future manager, but I think they did the right thing. Um, and you got to give them a ton of credit for both the Pineda hire, who seems to be an absolute perfect fit, as we keep on talking about over and over on this podcast. Uh, and then Carlos Bocanegra seemed to certainly have had um, quite a big hand in bringing in Luis Araujo, especially in doing the due diligence and talking to guys that he used to play with and trust that were at St. Etienne, uh, who had connections or who were coaching uh, Luis Araujo at Lille. Um, so you got to give him a lot of credit for for doing that kind of digging and for finding this player that became available that they were able to bring in. Got to give him a lot of credit. Joe Patrick, we got to give you a lot of credit for surviving rapid fire, which is right, right, right now. Nick, uh, AKA football's life on Twitter. Ask were the vibes as immaculate as Kanye said they were. Cause I thought they were, the vibes were awesome. Just walking through the concourse after the game, it really felt like a, a 2018, 2017 game where everyone was very, very engaged. Everyone was chanting. Everyone was happy. I heard there were even chants that broke out on Marta, which hadn't happened in a real long time. I'm sure the vibes were excellent. 
so fun seeing happy drunk people versus sad drunk people. Absolutely. Sad drunk people are very quiet and kind of grumpy, walking, <laughs> you know, making their way out of the stadium. And then happy drunk people are like wanting to say hi and tell Doug how much they appreciate his coverage and uh, all that kind of uh, stuff. Pineda has more trophies than Orlando <laughs> City asks, how likely is it that Atlanta hosts a playoff game? 538 Soccer Power Index has it at 22%. Uh, I'm going to ban the Soccer Power Index until they stop using Transfer Market. All of it's fake. All of it's fake. Every <laughs> yeah, single bit of it. Yeah. Uh, how yeah, likely is it, yeah. though? I would put it at maybe higher than 22%, knowing what I know and knowing that SPI is using thing. expected goals numbers, which aren't great for Atlanta still. They're getting better. They're like right behind Orlando now, which is very funny. Um, but, you know, basing it on that right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense, considering that, you know, you can split this team into two parts, essentially. The season, anyway, into two parts. Uh, he also asked favorite flavor shake at Cookout. I, I go for the cheer float myself. Yeah. Cheerful is all I've had, so I would I would go I would go with that one there. I would put the the uh, hosting a playoff percentage at like eighty yeah. percent. I'm a, I'm pretty I'm that confident in this team right now. Uh, what, what 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 you got to put a percent on? Are you it. Put a number on it. Um, yeah. I'll go a little lower. I go seventy. Okay, but still, it's pretty much a <laughs> like an in- inversion of the twenty two percent that that SPI has for so. sure. For sure, in your face, Nate Silver. Uh, Serenity <laughs> DNB asks Atlanta has 35 goals in the season, but 10 goals in the last week. What's Atlanta's goal tally going to be at the end of the regular season? Uh, that's important for me because remember, I predicted this would be the the lowest scoring Atlanta United team uh, besides the 2020 version. Um, mm. I'm trying to remember what they had in 2019. Give me a couple seconds, Joe. Vamp for me. Well, I'm just counting the games that they have remaining. Let's see. Five, six, seven, eight, nine games remaining. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, nine games remaining. I'll say they score on average 2.3 goals per game. I'm just kind of pulling that out of my butt. So I got to do some quick maths. I was told there would be no math. Times nine. 20, that's so that's 20 more goals. That would put me actually. I think I think I predicted 55 goals, so I'll stick to that. 55 okay, that, goals. That, that's, that's perfect because with. they scored 58 in uh, 2019. So that would still put them right below that line. I would still be right. I'm gonna go maybe a little less than that. I'll, I'll just keep going like 10% less than you. So 53. Um, Sanford on <laughs> Twitter asks, who has a higher chance of making the playoffs, UGA or Atlanta United? Uh, right now, statistically, it's UGA just because their schedule is so, so very weak the rest of the way. But wait, making the playoffs? Uh, it's got to be making almost dead playoffs, even right now. I feel very United. confident about Not very confident. Well, I feel way less confident about UGA, but that's because I'm a UGA fan. Objectively, both are about the same right now. <laughs> is that fair? I think it's fair. Yeah. Any 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 time in college football, one loss can kind of derail you completely. So I would say Atlanta United. Not even, I would like I would put Atlanta United's play per chance they make the playoff yeah, percentage sure. at like for sure. UGA could still lose to Florida, then lose to Bama, and that could be a, a whole ass mess. Uh, Doctor four eight one on Twitter ask which <sighs> do we want to do this. Have we, have we, oh, we know this is a Kevin. Yeah. Well, 
We know I'm not big on the BAM. I'm not big on the BAM thing. Apparently, we will be having a shirt that goes on sale, so check okay. that out at DirtySouthSoccer.com. <laughs> okay, I love Kevin so much. I, I don't want to, to disregard yeah, his thing. I know. It's so like no, Kevin, we're, Kevin's we're baby. We're going to do it. Um, which BAM finishes the year with more goals? Wait, can we even use BAM in that context? This is the longest rapid fire of all goddamn time. Which BAM finishes the year with more goals? Um, which one of them finishes the year with the most goals? I think it's got to be Joseph because he takes penalties. It's Joseph. Yeah, it's Joseph. Yeah. Zeke's going to be right there, though, apparently. Um, if you want to do then, goal, total goal uh, contributions, which would include assists, I would take Barco. Oh, easy right now. Yeah. Uh, will Miles Robinson get a regular season goal before he moves on to Europe? I think I think the playoffs are right yeah. for that kind of thing. Playoffs love a good set piece. Maybe we can see that. He scored a big one That's against right. Mexico on a final. Maybe he maybe he scores another Ooh. big one. We'll see. We'll see. And then Parker asks, what's it going to be like <laughs> losing to RSL and MLS Cup with Rob Valentino as their manager? Bittersweet to say the peak the MLS. A phenomenal question. Yeah, was that, that was Parker? Parker? Was that yeah. Parker Cleveland? Okay. That Thank you, perfect. Parker. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Parker. We love you. And that was rapid fire. Uh, Joe, anything else to add before we get out of here? I guess we should add that like RSL did interview Rob Valentino. <laughs> yeah. Rob, if you're listening, don't it's not don't always do greener. That. It's not always greener. Go to Dallas, man. Go to yeah. Dallas. Oh yeah, Dallas. Dallas they might interview him too. Yeah. They might. I would like to see him get a job, just not in RSL because it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap for sure. <laughs> Wait until they have an owner again. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, Beautiful part right. of the country, though. Yeah, real pretty up there. Real pretty up there. Um, final thoughts? <laughs> the weather does suck today. Your dad is right. Yeah. yeah. But Atlanta night doesn't. Well, it should be. A, uh, it'll be a nice week. We'll have the again. We talked about it. Supporters out tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll have something coming from that. Some some audio content. I'm gonna say content just content. to piss off yeah, Toyota football. football. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna say um, Marcy yeah, Moreno really is one of the best midfielders in the league just to piss off Toyota football in your face, Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very much looking to, uh, forward towards. Um, shoot, what's the name of the Philadelphia manager? Now it's Jim Curtin. Jim Curtin and Gonzalo Pineda now becoming Aww. best friends after he after Jim Curtin and Gabriel Heinze were our so. Mark. We love it. We <laughs> yeah. love to see it. Uh, we'll have a preview up for that game on the Patreon. I, I, I love Philadelphia. This is going to hurt me to, to see them lose like this, but I think they are. Um, so we'll, we'll get through all that. Uh, again, patreon.com slash five stripe final. Get at us in the discord. Get us on Twitter at five stripe final. Joe's at J Patrick 200. I'm at J underscore Sam Jones. All sorts of stuff going up under SS soccer. Uh, MLS soccer.com and 92.9 the game all the time. Always go check us out. We love you. Let's get out of here. Bye y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs> <laughs>